Hello and welcome to Splatter Chatter, where October never dies, even on this December Friday, the 13th. I am one of your hosts, Miss Melmoy. I'm the other host, Mr. Craigers. He is, and tonight we are continuing our series of uh, Friday the 13th, where we review for you a Friday the 13th. Uh, this week we are on our fifth one, Friday the 13th, A New Beginning, or The New Beginning. It's a new beginning of some sort. Don't know if it's A or the. Um, after, you know, Friday the 13th, the final chapter. Um, <laughs> don't worry, there's there's five more after this, too. I mean, I guess, like, it is sort of like a logical progression of the titles, right? Final chapter, and then this is a new beginning. Yes, if you're going to have more titles after you say the final chapter, this is the only option. Way to do it. Yeah. Um but yes, we are going to, to dive in, as we have for the past four Friday the 13ths, um, with our review of Friday the 13th 5V. Um, fun fact is Friday the 13th, I might have said this last time, there will always be a Friday the 13th if a Sunday if a month starts on a Sunday. Oh, there can okay. only be three Friday the 13ths a year. There can only be it, three. Yeah, it maxes out at three. Um, there's two this year, as we know. There's only going to be one next year and one the year after that, I believe. Are we sure there's not two next year and then one? It's possible. I know that either 2020 or 2021 or both has only one part of the season. Has only one, yeah. I know that the the next one after this is in March, because I did look at that. Mm -hmm. So that's when we'll be doing part six. We're slowly making our way towards Jason X. Jason X, Miss Mel, is looking forward to that since we covered the original Friday the 13th. Yes. So in a few years, just just you wait. Um, yeah, that'll yeah. be... I mean, that'll be a regular episode, not a booze and booze, but I do feel that we will have to be at a booze and booze level to talk about it. Yes. <laughs> I just remember they always would play on, on AMC. Like, that was always the Friday the 13th movie they would play for their, their October marathon. Constantly. Ugh. And you know what? I will still put Jason X higher than A New Beginning, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. This movie does not click for me in a lot of ways. It was a hard left turn from everything that came before it. Mm -hmm. um, it was a very different set of characters, different stories. I mean, you still kind of had that, you know, the teenager sex drug <laughs> element, sex. but it wasn't as prominent the way it was before. Yeah. You know, it wasn't, the setting wasn't, oh, a bunch of teenagers at a camp, you know, up to shenanigans when the campers are away but it was shenanigans. I don't know there's a lot of layers to it yeah yeah but yeah but before we get into that uh Mr. Kergers what have you been up to or horror headline wise yeah so um let's see I let's see what I have to catch up on um uh, since we missed our last episode, apologies. It was just scheduling did not work out. Yes. Um, Holidays. But, uh, um, so I like to, you know, kind of like starting post Thanksgiving and in December, watch uh, a lot of Christmas horror. Mm -hmm. 
Um, so far this year, I watched the new episode of Into the Dark, their oh, uh, their December Christmas one. Uh, I think it's called Nasty Nasty Piece of Work or Unnasty Piece of Work. Okay. Um, not bad. It's kind of predictable, but not bad. I feel that way about a lot of the Into the Dark episodes. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, I watched uh, Saint or Sint, um, which is a Dutch horror film about um, Sinterklaas. Oh, yeah, and how, how he kills people every um, time there's a full moon on December fifth um, in the Netherlands because just because that's basically. such a specific requirement. Yeah. Um, I don't know, like, if that's pulled from actual lore or if that was made up just for the movie itself. Interesting. Um, it's decent, you know. It's kind of sort of a typical slasher at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like I watched a couple other Christmas horrors, but maybe maybe not. Maybe I just have got, like, some of the usuals lined up. You know, I always watch mm-hmm. Black Christmas. And, of course, we've got the second remake of Black Christmas coming out... Um, today, the day this episode goes up. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I've been getting so many ads for that on, um, Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and if you know, listeners, if you've listened to our episode last year where we covered the original Black Christmas, I despise the 2000 and, uh, 2005, 2006 remake because it's not a movie that needs to be remade. However... The discussion surrounding this 2019 remake is very intriguing, and I'm kind of in support of it. Yeah. And I think I'll go see it. Interesting. Yeah, it sparked a lot of debate because it got a PG-13 rating. Oh. And it has sparked a lot of debate as to, like, can you properly tell the Black Christmas story with a PG-13 rating? Yeah. And people accusing it as, like, they're they're babying it and they're dumbing it down because they want like um, you know like high school girls to come see the movie, and I'm kind of like, well, what's wrong with high school girls coming to see the movie? Yeah, like we sh- can make movies for them too. Yeah, that's not how to mention the cast is teenage girls. I mean, exactly. Like it's marketed for them. It's a movie for them. There's nothing wrong with that, and it's also how we like create new genre fans like most people get into horror starting with the pg-13 stuff mm-hmm. and then gradually work their way up so i'm not opposed i'm intrigued and i'm probably going to give it a watch nice. <clears throat> last year craig would not have believed that <laughs> <laughs> but that's what we call a christmas miracle yes <laughs> So how about you, Miss Mel? What have you been up to in the world of horror? Um, what have I been up to in the world of horror? I'm trying to think because I my reading in October went a little bit past October, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still have some that I've I told myself I was gonna read, but did not. Yeah. Um <laughs> it's hard. Yeah, no. Well October was a short, short month. Um but yeah, I need to catch up on Into the Dark. I watched the most recent one I watched was um uh, I actually I actually think I didn't watch any of the summer ones. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
Um, I did watch... The July one? The 4th of July one, Culture Shock, is really good. I've heard that. That's probably Um, the best one they've done. I did watch... um, I want to say it was an Into the Dark on Hulu, one of their Halloween ones, fairly recently, where the kids go into the Extreme Haunted House. Um, I think it's an Into the Dark. Um... It's either that or some independent... The thing is is that I found interesting about it is that the premise was... So it's a group of kids on Halloween, like teenagers, decide that they're going to go to an extreme haunted house. And of course, the extreme haunted house turns out to be like people are actually dying and um, they're... Is it Haunt? Is that the name of the movie? I don't know. Let me look at my Hulu history (laughs) to see what it was. Because the thing is, is some of them start to blend together. It could be Haunt. Um, um, But um, it was interesting because I found it very predictable. You know, like, um, okay, obviously they're, um, you know, something terrible goes wrong. It's a real, it's a real, you know, people are really dying. It's real props, et cetera, et cetera. Um, you know, and a lot of the story was weird. But I felt like the acting was weirdly, like, correct. <laughs> like, normally that's the thing that gets dinged in these movies is um, that, you know, like, they overact or something. I think it was Haunt. Okay. Yeah, I know. I, like, saw a lot of chatter about that, like, near the end of October and just didn't have time to get to it. Yeah. Um, and... Yeah, I mean, like, it's a, it's a predictable premise. It's not, um, <clears throat> you know, there's nothing really, like, innovative about it. But it was fun. And, um, again, like, I was just surprised at, like, the way... I was like, oh, they're acting like real young adults. Like, they're acting like real human beings as opposed to, you know, just overacting and that sort of thing. And it also was genuinely creepy at times and kept me, you know, guessing. I mean, like I said, it was... It wasn't shocking, but there were points where I'm like, oh, like, okay, this could be one of three things. I don't know what it is. Um, yeah. But no, it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. Good. Okay. Good. So worth a watch, you'd say. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Especially, yeah. Hulu needs something to do. That's a good one. Awesome. Yeah. <clears throat> but, um, yeah, I mean, I do want to watch, you know what I, I haven't watched yet is, um, and I kind of want to check it out just for the fun fun of it is uh, Tell Me a Story. Oh, yeah. I it keep piqued my interest. Ads for that. Mm-hmm. I keep seeing ads for that. It piqued my interest. Yeah, I'm, mine's definitely peaked as well. Um, and then something else that I really want to watch and haven't found time for, but like everyone has nothing but good things to say about it, is Anna and the Apocalypse. I have wanted to, <laughs> yes. Which, in case you don't know, listeners, is a Christmas horror musical film. Um, and the soundtrack is apparently super addicting. The movie is apparently really funny and sweet and, like, scary all at the same time. And <clears throat> yeah. themed. And I believe it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. And I just, just haven't found the time. Yeah. I'm going to watch it very soon. Maybe by the time this episode is up, I will have watched it. <laughs> yeah. 
So that's actually number one on my list to get to. I'm like, I will see this goddamn movie before Christmas. Love it. Yes. No, that's another one that's been on my list where I was like, oh, right. I keep meaning to watch this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, anything else? Um, no. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? I do feel like I'm missing something, but... I'm going to wake in the middle of the night and be like, son of a bitch! Son of a whore! Um, but I don't think so. Yeah, no, I think I think that's where I'm at. The holidays are always such a weird time for that stuff because I'm also like, I want to watch how the Grinch stole Christmas. Yeah, I know it's weird. Like, you know, I feel like I never really take a break from horror, um, but or like to think that I don't. But I definitely notice myself like after Halloween in November and December, like not doing as much horror mm-hmm. um, just because of like, it's so much in October and leading up to Halloween. Like you do kind of need a like to palate cleanse a little bit. Um, and I love regular Christmas movies, you know, like yeah. you said. So like, I want to watch a lot of those and there's like new ones of those I haven't seen. So I can't, it can't be horror all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it's the end of the year. It's a nice time to reset. It is. Get and ready for day. for all the, the stuff next year. Yeah. And it's been a good year for horror. It has been. A really good year. Um, a lot of people are, you know, putting out their top ten lists. Um, probably do one for the website soon. Mm-hmm. Even more daunting is people putting out their best horror films of the decade lists which takes a lot of thought oh yeah i guess that yeah that's ooh. i know <laughs> i know it's been a strong decade um so we'll see guys we'll see how that shakes out but uh for now are we ready to dive into our main discussion i am if you are i think i am let's do this okay so We're going to be talking about Friday the 13th, Part 5, A New Beginning, released in 1985, directed by Danny Steinman, and starring, eh, not a ton of, like, huge names, um, John Shepard, Melanie Kinnaman, Shavar Roth, um, some other people here and there, Corey Feldman makes a cameo, um, this film was meant to restart sort of um, the Friday the 13th franchise with a new trilogy of films featuring a villain separate from Jason Voorhees. That did not end up panning out. (laughs) And as we discuss the film, I'm sure we'll get into why. All right. A new beginning. And here we are. Here we are. And we're beginning. And never have I seen a film with so many poop scenes. Have you? (laughs) There is a lot of weird toilet dark humor. Right? There's a, like, 
there's too much diarrhea in this movie. Yes. And I don't know why. Um, so I was saying to Miss Mel before we kind of started recording, a new beginning is sort of like the beginning of the end of the franchise for me. I feel like, Mm -hmm. like, I feel like here is where things start to slip into outlandish territory. And there are films that are stronger than this one. And there are moments in the remaining films that are stronger, but I feel like this film is such a switch mm-hmm. into like schlocky territory for for the franchise. What do you mm. think? I mean, yeah, I agree. Um, I think it was kind of like well grounded in the formula it had before, even if it was repetitive. Whereas uh-huh. this, like, um, like especially a lot of the minor characters in this just are total, like, over-the-top stock characters and, like, a lot of that stuff is not just, you know. Some of them you're like, oh, thank God you died. Um, yeah. Which I don't think, I mean, maybe it is the emotion sometimes, but I would I would rather not feel that way about about kills in, in, in a slasher movie. Um, no. But yeah, no, I think it, it, it definitely was very, like, um, like phoning some parts in, which is interesting for how much it changed the, the format and the, the just overall, like, setting and premise and that sort of thing. It's still, like, very much, like, took cardboard characters and, and plot lines. Yeah. I that's interesting. I feel like I completely agree with you mm-hmm. about um like you were mentioning like the stock characters. Mm-hmm. I feel like this is the real really the first uh movie in the series where like they're truly just cardboard people. You yeah. know? And like I like I get it. It's th- these are um slasher films. Like we're not expecting the characters to be as complicated as like Heathcliff <laughs> and Jay Gatsby. Yeah. Um, but at least like in like the original and even you, you could argue for parts two through four, like we knew things about the characters, mm-hmm. right? Like about uh, Brenda and the weird hitchhiker and Bill and um, whatever the fuck Kevin Bacon's character's name was. I don't remember. Yes. We, to know all of them and the original. And so that when they died, we did kind of care. Um, and that's, that's what you want from a slasher. It's weird. Like you said, it's weird to say like, you want to care sort of when the kills happen, but you do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think, I think you're right. We don't have that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, like, putting the, you know, like, and if they, they've had kids before in the movies, but putting the kid in there is, like, a cheap shot, mm-hmm. kind of, because, like, you're going to automatically care about a kid because he's a kid. Like, you're going to want him to, to not die. So that, like, makes up for, like, oh, we don't have to give him a super personality or make him even likable because you're going to automatically care for him because he's a kid. Yeah. That's a really good point. So, um... So, yeah, so A New Beginning, um, yeah, takes a turn, as Miss Mo said, really shakes up the formula, um, 
adds in, I feel like, a lot more nudity. A lot, we... but a lot more like, I don't know if gratuitous is the word, but like, it's just like taking normal situations and sexualizing them with nudity. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly it. Yeah. Like, like even guess, in that one scene after they have like sex in the woods or whatever, when they're done, he goes off to like do whatever and she's just lounging there. Oh, yeah, with um, Lana and Yeah, Billy. like she's just like very much lounging in the middle of the woods naked, although he's like got half his clothes back on. Yeah. And then, you know, like it's just stuff that is like, it is outside of like eroticism in a scene mm -hmm. and you've still got people who are women who are just topless right yeah and of course it's yeah it's of course it's the female characters the guys are um that at worst at most rather i guess shirtless yeah no. um yeah and i definitely agree with that i definitely i definitely also feel like this is a really violent movie it is. Yeah. I know comes off funny when we're talking about the Friday the 13th series, but I think every kill in this movie happens on screen. Yeah. Like every like actual like blade to body interaction, mm -hmm. you know, um, which if you look at the previous movies, like some of the kills are pretty bloodless or there are quick cuts mm -hmm. or an off screen. Um, I remember us talking about that just for part four. Yeah. Like some of the really violent stuff actually isn't shown, but this, this movie is super violent. Um, and just drugs for days. Like how much cocaine did they have? I know there was a lot of cocaine. <laughs> yeah. Like a plate full of cocaine. Like what? And he's singing his little cocaine song. His cocaine song. Yeah. 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 Um, which is interesting because this movie in the, what, three decades plus since mm -hmm. its release, um, stories kind of come out that, like, apparently there was, like, a shit ton of drug use on set. So um, it might have just been real cocaine. It might have just been actual coke, <laughs> for all we know. Um, yeah. So it wasn't... It wasn't a movie that was super well received by critics. It did comparatively bad at the box office compared to the four predecessors. Not that that obviously stopped uh, the rest of the franchise. Um, but this, this really did become a very interesting moment for the Friday the 13th brand. So shall we sort of... Um, establish the premise and walk through the plot yes we shall cool do you want to kick us off or i shall okay yeah. so we begin on a, a dark and stormy night uh you see a pair of boots you might think for a minute it could be jason it's not <laughs> um, just, <laughs> just, they take a long time to reveal who this person is so i'm just gonna nip that one in the bud for you yeah they do. it is um tommy jarvis yeah. You will remember from the last movie, uh, the young, young boy who enjoyed making monster masks and props and ended up supposedly killing Jason in self-defense. Um, I guess as far as this movie is concerned, he, he did. Like, 
in the actual canon of this movie without the other ones. Jason is dead. Jason is dead. Tommy has killed him. Um, so Tommy is walking. It's raining. He's walking in the woods. Um, he's still like a kid in this. He's a little bit older than the last time we saw him. But he's a kid walking through the woods in his little raincoat. And he walks up to a grave of one Jason Voorhees. And he's staring at it. And then he hears some people coming. Some guys yelling. He runs off to hide um, in some bushes. And these two grave robbers who are way too jazzed. They're so jazzed! They're like, they're like laughing. They're yelling. They're like, oh yeah. Like laughing every two seconds as they're like shoveling dirt. I assume it's the cocaine. Yes. But these two guys show up. They find Jason's grave. They're like, you know, vandals, uh, whatever, who want to see Jason's body. Which, why is Jason buried in the middle of the woods? Yes. Yeah, There's. it's not like it's a cemetery. No. Um, and I it just says Jason that's... Voorhees on the... Yeah. It's like in big, like a child took a marker and wrote Jason Voorhees on a tombstone, yeah. which I guess it makes sense looking, you know, with what this ends up being. Right. But it's still ridiculous. It is. It is still ridiculous. Um, God, yeah. it's the longest like musical intro too. It is. Yes. Um, so they're digging. They want to see they, the main man as they refer to him. Um, they want to see Jason's body. <laughs> um, they dig for a little bit. They get there. They find the casket. They open it. And I don't know what they expect to have seen, but they took a really long time to stare into the uh, the casket, like, shocked or whatever. I assume... I mean, this is kind of redundant. And we'll talk about why, because of what this ends up being. But, like... I was just like, okay, why is he buried in his mask and with a machete? Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah, so he's buried in his mask. Um, as we last saw him, he's got worms coming out of his eyes and stuff. Um, and they're like, oh, Jason, it's him. And then out of the grave, the body lunges forward with a machete and stabs them both and kills them. <laughs> And as he is lying in wait, he has now come out of his coffin um, and walks over to where Tommy's hiding in the bushes and raises his machete. And just as he brings it down, adult Tommy Jarvis wakes up in the back of a um, a like medical transport car of sorts um, on his way to a um, sort of outpatient uh, psychiatric center in the woods yeah yeah um and this is when we realize that um it's it's several years after the events of part four i think five five or six mm -hmm. and and so we come to understand that tommy has been plagued so deeply by these nightmares and this PTSD surrounding the events of final chapter um, that he's had to have professional psychiatric help. So as Miss Mel said, he's on his way to the Pinehurst halfway house, um, a very secluded deep in the woods um, out outpatient inpatient. I, it's not really clear if like they can leave or not leave. Yeah. 
It's um, like, and I think maybe that's their whole shit because they're like, oh, we're different. We're, mm-hmm. we're not outpatient or inpatient. Right. We're just like, we're going to like, da, 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 da. it's just some sort of treatment retreat, as it were. And Tommy arrives there sort of like, this is like, this is what's going to help him. This is going to help integrate him back into normal society. He's finally going to get past the trauma. Yes. Uh, With a capital T. With with a capital T, um, absolutely no word as to um, what happened to uh, Trish, Tommy's sister. Um, Yeah, she just, did he kill her? Like, I don't. Yeah, we don't know. that. There's that weird ending from part four, but we never know. Find out. Anyway, upon arriving at Pinehurst, Tommy meets um, Pam, who is the director of the facility. Um, she's played by Melanie Kinneman. And he also meets um, uh, Dr. Letter, um, who is, as you might guess, the doctor. The doctor. Then we meet the assorted crew of um, the remaining small staff and the other um, residents, I guess, is the appropriate term? Yeah, residents. Patients. Patients. Visitors. Yeah, who are staying there. So we've got um, Reggie, who apparently at some point went by Reggie the Reckless in Hollywood. People, that's like that's I think that begins the stock character thing though is like you have Reggie who is this young black man who just comes out and he's like where I'm come from nobody's afraid of nothing and like you're always ready for stuff and yada yada and it's like okay we can't have a young black man without you just doing that right and it's so like extra like eye rolly because like yeah so Reggie is the young black character and the character is from the hood, as they say, or whatever. So it's like, okay, so you're you're feeding into that stereotype. But then also, it's also just like, okay, I feel like if you were running around in that tracksuit, calling yourself Reggie the Reckless, you were going to get your ass kicked. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, like, you're not hard. You're a dork. Like, yeah. Fuck up. And the thing is, is like, do they want us to think he's a dork, or do they want us to think this is what the hood, quote unquote, is? I guess that's a good point. I feel like they were like, oh, take the, him seriously, but maybe because yeah, nothing indicates that he's joking or that it's not right. true. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, you're a nerd. <laughs> um, but anyway, so we meet Reggie. We meet Robin. Um, we meet Violet, who is sort of like the, um, I don't know, like punk, goth. Bat break of. dancer sometimes. Yeah, that's like kind of CD type. The rebel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, we also meet Vic. Um, we meet, um, who else do we meet? Jake? Um, and, uh, Joey. Um, and then we also meet the cook at the, um, at Pinehurst, George, uh, who is Reggie's uncle, Uncle. grandfather, grandfather. Grandfather. Yeah. Um, and am I missing somebody? Vic. 
Vic, and we meet Vic as well, um, who is sort of like feisty and um, I don't know, always like ready to pop. He's like that kind of that kind of stereotype. Um, And then the so as Tommy is sort of like adjusting to life at Pinehurst, um, the sheriff comes by, and with him are Eddie and. Oh, God. Hold on. Let me look. <laughs> Tina. Tina, ironically, played by an actress named Debbie Sue Voorhees. <laughs> um, and they um, are a couple who were just busted for having sex um, on the neighbor's lawn, like the neighbor next to this secluded house, I guess. Um, yeah, the property. The- yeah, the home of the Hubbards, um, Ethel, uh, and her son Junior, and these two motherfuckers. Yes. Like wow, yeah. they're so. It was interesting you were talking before about that movie where like the acting was on point, but like the plot was predictable. Mm-hmm. Like the acting is, at least from these two in this movie, is so over the top. Yeah, it's insane. It's so big and unnecessary. Yeah. Um, oh, these two are awful. And yes. so is and the mayor is too. Yeah, the mayor who only has like two seconds of a scene but manages to like be incredibly annoying. Right? Um, so anyway, and so that's sort of, and there's this weird dynamic going on with the Hubbards where um, they're going to I don't know, like pull weight with the sheriff or the mayor. I don't, it's not clear. They're like threatening to have Pinehurst shut down if the residents, the patients don't like stop like fucking with them, basically. Mm-hmm. So, so that establishes like most of our very large cast of characters. There's too many. There's characters. a lot of characters. There's too many characters in this movie. Um, and I think that's another indication of this movie really like switching gears as to what Friday the 13th was going to become. Um, because like this like parade of random assholes just showing up on the screen, like it just like they were just for like the body count, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. Anywho, what happens next? Um, so they intake Tommy um, he, like we said, when he goes to meet the doctor, he explains, like, this place doesn't have, like, set rules. Like, they kind of offer food and shelter and, ex- you know, and, like, counseling services in exchange for, like, an honor system, they call it, where, like, they don't, like, there's no curfew or no, like, you know, you can't go places type deal. Um, and they take Tommy up to his room for him to get ready. And I can't remember if it happens here or later. He has his first freak out where he thinks he sees Jason somewhere in the room. Um, it happens a couple times. Um, I think it first happened. <clears throat> I know it happens at one point, like the next morning, because it's when he wakes up. Um, right. But it happens a couple times. He sees, he thinks he sees Jason in the mirror or whatever. Um, yeah. But while that's going on, um, I've got Vic, who's, like, angrily chopping wood. 
as one does. It's not clear if it's for a purpose. Do they need the wood? I don't know. <laughs> right. And also, like, like most Friday the 13th films, it's indicated to us to take place during the summer. Yeah. So do you really need a fire? I don't Whatever. Yeah. I don't know. But he's chopping wood. That's, like, his thing, I guess. I don't know. Um, Joey, who is kind of, like, the, like, um, like, overweight, dorky guy is there. He tries to help... Um, the girls with their laundry and he gets like his chocolate bar all over it and they get pissed and shoo him away and he goes over to Vic and they get into a um, sort of altercation um, because Joey tries to talk to Vic and Vic is just not having it. They like, you know, they get into an altercation and eventually Vic just axes Joey in the head. <laughs> Fucking straight up cleaves that kid. Yeah. It goes from them arguing because Joey yeah. offered him a candy bar to like Vic just right then and there just, just splits his head. Splits his head. Um, <laughs> obviously, Vic is arrested and this doesn't look good for the um, <laughs> facility because the cops are like still around, like telling them they got to get their shit together. Um, they, you know, the cops, the couple of the cops are like, this is fucked up. And um, the main cop, Duke, like who's like in charge of kind of the other cops is like, well, like I don't, you know, he he's trying, he's on the side of the facility. He's trying to help them out. Yeah. Um, but it clearly is not good for um, whatever this place, Pinehurst, to uh, have, you know, one of their, their patients cleaving the head of another with an axe. <laughs> but that night a couple of guys um who were meant to be kind of like drifter greaser types um which can we just like take a moment right here right now to talk about these motherfuckers yes they're very strange what the hell like movie are they supposed <laughs> to? yeah when is this movie supposed to take place right like I mean, like, there are some hilarious threads and articles out there of people, like, trying to put together, like, the Friday the 13th timeline because yeah. of, like, the time skips in movies don't match up to, like, how people are dressing and behaving. Mm -hmm. Actually, whatever. But these fucking, like you said, like, greaser motherfuckers come out, like, they're singing bebop, <laughs> and they're, like, they're shitting in the woods, <laughs> like... There's like, are you? They're they're supposed to be bikers, maybe, but they're driving a car. It's like, uh, they're weird. This weird, like Marlon Brando type play acting. I don't know what's. Tell me, what are they supposed to be? I, we don't know what they are, but we know that their car is broken down. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, they're very strange. The ones wearing like a leather biker hat, like <laughs> <What>? a cap. <laughs> I don't know, but their car is broken down. They're having shenanigans. I don't know. Um, eventually, I couldn't tell them apart. One of them gets killed, and then the other does. Is really Pete. I don't remember the other one's name. That's really all I can say about the scene is that they both eventually get killed, and the one gets killed be with Jason or Roy or whoever shoving a flare into the mouth of yeah, whichever that's one gets killed second. That's a cool kill. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like a live flare, and he just shoves it into his face. Um, 
But yeah, they both end up dead and we never have to worry about them again. <laughs> Coming back. So it's just like fucking like they're introduced just to get whatever. Yeah. But so they die. They die viciously. Um, and what happens after that? So after that um, is when we meet Billy and Lana, right? Yes. Billy we met for a hot second. He is the well, first he, one who tries to get uh, Tommy to come out of the car. And he tries to get Tommy to come out of the car. That's right. Okay, so Billy and his girlfriend, Lana, um, are chilling with the most cocaine that has, <laughs> has ever, ever been cocaine. Has ever been cocaine. Um They've got, like, at least a kilo, like, on that plate that they pour it out. Yes, it's got to be an expensive bag of cocaine. Yeah, and it's, like, first of all, like, I don't, I've never partaken in it myself, but I know that's not how you use cocaine. Uh, (laughs) In the most amounts possible. (laughs) Yeah. But whatever. And so this is kind of, we had... Uh, Miss Mel and I touched on this earlier with like, there's um, everything involving this scene is just all gratuitous, right? Mm-hmm. Gratuitous use of drugs, gratuitous showcasing of nudity, particularly female nudity and over sexualization that has nothing to do with the plot. Like it's even, it's kind of like, it's almost like embarrassing. Yeah. You know, like, it's unnecessary, but there's almost, like, a secondhand embarrassing thing, like, watching it. Like, especially when, like, the boob reveal happens. Like, yeah. isn't it very awkwardly handled, don't you think? Yeah. Um, and for some reason, she sprays, like, mint air freshener on her tit. <laughs> <laughs> Which I understand spraying perfume on your, your chest, but not mint air freshener. It wasn't perfume. It yeah. Was- um, and so whatever. And so what we might imagine to happen for this couple, a couple like, um, Billy and Lana in a Friday the 13th movie basically happens. An unknown assailant dispatches them both with an ax. And it's kind of, I mean, one of my problems with this movie, I think is exemplified really well in this scene there's no sense of suspense Mm -hmm. whatsoever with the kills there's no stalking involved like in the original or like the first couple sequels it's just they just happen out of nowhere like bam yeah billy sticks his head out of the window and then bam like you know and that's not all that interesting it's not really all that fun and it's not all that scary yeah Um, yeah because there's no reason for us to believe that jason's there until the second he's there and swinging his machete exactly um so anyway the uh as a result of billy and lana's um axing and uh waste of all the cocaine um 
things start to get a little bit uh, panicky and tense around Pinehurst and, of course, the the small town that Pinehurst is a part of. It's not really <laughs> clear if that's Crystal Lake or not. Yeah. Um, but but I guess because of the legend of Jason, we are we assume it's Crystal Lake. Whatever. Um, and then this is when the mayor shows up for his incredibly annoying, yes. um, albeit short scene, um, in which the purpose of that is basically he is shooting down any possibility that Jason Voorhees is still alive, let alone is responsible for um, these murders. And, uh, and then we find ourselves um, in the next day and people are going about their business. And that's when, um, what's the, the like sexaholic couple? Oh. Eddie and Tina. Tina. There's always a they, Tina and a sexaholic couple. There's always a Tina. There's been like five Tinas in this franchise so far. I'm pretty sure. There's like a Tina in each one. Um, and they're all pale in comparison to Tina from the Halloween franchise. <laughs> oh, I love her. Anyway, so this Tina and Eddie run off into the woods to fuck again. Um, and and smoke pot, I guess. And smoke pot, yeah, that's going on as well. Um, and because of their previous shenanigans, Mrs. Hubbard has like got eyes on them. And so she sends her like sort of like farmhand, like man, this guy who shows up and is like, I can help you. Yeah. Um, to like spy on these two, we assume teenagers and therefore minors having sex. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and then during the obligatory, like the guy goes off to shower. Only this time, it's like in a oh, river. Yeah, shower in like the river. <laughs> like, um, I gotta wash up. Yeah, that always like immediately, immediately. Um, Tina gets dispatched by the killer, and she's naked. Don't worry. And she's naked. She's super naked during it. Again, so much nudity. Um, Eddie comes back, finds the body, and then, of course, he is also dispatched by the killer. And, um, of course, we as the viewer, we don't know, we don't see the killer. So is it is it Jason? Is he still alive? Is he back? Is Tommy, like, right? Or what's going on here? We, we don't know yet. So what happens after Eddie and Tina are killed in the woods? That's so not- Eddie and Tina are killed, and... Their peeping Tom is killed as well. Oh, yeah, that's... Sorry. Um, yeah, because I think he's killed first, and then those two are killed. Um, yeah. So, yes, they have have done a... done been murdered. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a strange sequence to me, what comes next, is um, Reggie is going to visit his brother, Demon, is his name. <laughs> Oh my god, demon. Um, and uh, so, first of all, Pam's... Pam is... She's, like, what is her official capacity here? 
I think she is like the director. Because I feel like this is not... It's not in her job description. <laughs> this is not an activity she should be allowing happening, I feel, as a a person who works at the facility. Let alone, like, encouraging Tommy to come with them. It's super inappropriate. But they're going... Reggie's going to visit his brother Demon and his girlfriend. Um, and Pam's going with him. And Pam convinces Tommy to come. Because she wants him to, like, get out and kind of just interact with people. Which, by the way, Demon is played by Miguel Nunez Jr., who many of you may know as the crazy beach man from Scooby-Doo. Yes, that's right, that's right, that's right. He also plays Spider in uh, Return of the Living Dead. He's a a fun guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But, yes, so they go to Demon's van. Where, you know, Demon is hanging with his girlfriend, he's playing music, he's smoking, he's drinking beers. The musical on-screen pooping. Yes. yes. Oh, baby. Yes, that will come, don't worry. Because he had enchiladas. Um, but yeah, so they're hanging out, like, and Pam's okay with this, that there's this minor here, like, with, you know, his brother who's drinking and smoking and all this other stuff. But they're hanging out. Demon himself seems like a fine guy. He seems to like his brother. It's fine. Um, But Tommy's kind of, you know, aloof during this, you know, because he's not very good at um, interacting with people. And he's kind of off by himself. And um, he runs into Junior, um, who sees him, recognizes him as one of the patients at Pinehurst and freaks out at him and says that, you know, his mom's going to get them all kicked out or something and to stay away and yada yada and he just keeps screaming like nonsense at uh tommy like just insane nonsense and tommy eventually just or no i guess he moves first he like goes to push tommy and then tommy just freaks out and starts beating the crap out of him right um and then pam runs over breaks up the fight um Tommy runs off scared, realizing, like, what he's done. Um, and Pam goes to get um, Reggie, who's like, come on, we're leaving, because we got to go get Tommy. He's ran off into the woods. Um, <laughs> and they go to do that. Junior kind of gets himself up and takes off on his own, leaving Demon and his girlfriend. They're hanging out, and then Demon's like, he has a, a sudden pain in his stomach because of... The enchiladas, he says. And he runs into a nearby um, outhouse. Mm. And there's a gratuitous scene of him taking a dump. Uh, like, it's, it's, uh, wh- why? Why is there so much on-screen pooping? Yes. Why is it liquidy poops? Yes. Why is it? What, this is only something, I think we've like jokingly talked about this before this only happens in horror movies yeah you don't see people pooping and like <laughs> the irishman yeah the irishman <laughs> or you know a beautiful day in the neighborhood like yeah this only happens in, and i get it like it's all about vulnerability and Da, da 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 and how scary it is to be attacked when you're vulnerable but like oh my god there's other ways to be vulnerable <laughs> Yeah. Like, I think even just peeing is kind of vulnerable. Right. Um, That's a shit ton of horror movies, too. Yeah. So, so Demon's taking a deuce, 
And his girlfriend does that thing that we all hate where she's messing with him in the outhouse, like banging on the walls and stuff. And he gets her to knock it off. And then they start singing for some reason. They're like singing at each other while he's pooping. It's very strange. It's like his it's like his safety song while he's pooping or something. I don't I don't get it. Um please do that to Jamie the next time she <laughs> Yes. You thought she was a nervous peer? Get ready for some nervous pooping. Um banging on the walls. Washes. Do the wicker man song. Oh my god. Ooh, who is there? Who is there? <laughs> Love it. Or the, the a midsummer song thrown in there too. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so there, it's weird, and then all of a sudden she goes quiet, um, and then really there's banging on the walls, like insane banging on the walls, and he gets really pissed, and he goes out to tell her to knock it off, and he sees her throat has been cut, and she's laying on the floor, and he freaks out, um, and he, like, goes to hide back in the outhouse, but he is stabbed through the wall of the outhouse, uh, by an unknown assailant, Jason, um, and, and left there, uh, for dead. For dead. Um, meanwhile, at the Hubbard farm, um, uh, Junior's freaking out. He's, you know, he's been beat up by one of the, you know, inmates. He's, he's screaming. He's riding his bike in circles while um, Ethel is making stew and is yelling at him to knock it off. And he's just screaming and screaming and screaming that, you know, he wants his mom to to kill him and get rid of him and then all of a sudden it sounds like he crashes his bike and we do not see junior again for a while um and uh ethel is killed by um uh jason as well when she is stabbed through the window and then her head falls in her stew um, so those two are both dispatched, um, and we are back to Pam trying to find Tommy with Reggie in tow. Pam is trying to find Tommy with Reggie in tow. She makes the decision. She has Reggie stay at the halfway house, kind of like a, okay, in case he comes back here, she's going to go out into the beyond, I guess, to see if she can find Tommy, Reggie is um, doing his Reggie reckless thing. And, you know, what's the most reckless thing you can do? Fall asleep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> On the couch, somebody tucks you in. Uh-huh. It's so wild. It's just wild. Um, and so he does. And it's at this point that the main... Um, characters the main kids i guess we might think of them start getting um killed and i don't know about you but like these kills just feel really icky yeah and i think it circles back to what we were talking about earlier in the episode that we don't know anything about these people yeah um this is when jake is murdered robin as well as um Who's the gothic Violet? Yes, killed as well. Um, and we don't we don't really know anything about them. What we do, the little that we do know about them, 
doesn't make any of them particularly likable. And yeah. so it puts the viewer in a weird space when you're watching unlikable people be killed in a slasher movie. <laughs> you're like, oh. Yeah, yeah, it's very strange. So anyway, there the three of them are are killed in a whole manner of violent and on-screen ways. Reggie eventually is finished with his nap. Um <sighs> <laughs> he times it rather well to Pam's return to the house, which um, allows them both to sort of be like, where is everybody? Da, 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 and discover the bodies of Robin, Violet, and um, Jake, Jake in Tommy's bedroom. And so everybody, my art, everybody i guess they're like the implication is that tommy has snapped right uh -huh. it's trauma has been too much and it's not that jason is still alive it's that tommy is the killer uh -huh. and has sort of like become jason as it were yeah well lo and behold here pops up the killer yes who is wearing a hockey mask a la Jason Voorhees. Slightly different than previous masks, but... Slightly different than previous masks, which, you know, if Tommy's dream is to be believed, they buried him with his mask, so... <laughs> his machete. <laughs> and his machete. Whatever. Um, so thus begins the obligatory chase sequence, mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, tied into the obligatory storm. Um, it's raining, it's nighttime... We also have what um, I like to refer to as sort of like the parade of bodies. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as of the slasher film is main characters discovering uh, the bodies of those that have been dispatched before them. And then this is when we discover that other characters have been killed, including um, the doctor. The doctor. Who's the, like, the cop? The deputy? Looks like Don Knotts, Duke, Duke. Um, and the cook. Yes. Oh, yeah. Um, Reggie's grandfather. Reggie's grandfather. Yeah. Um, Pam uh, makes her way to the barn on the property. Um, a, sort of a callback to Friday the 13th Part 3, which had actual bikers. Instead of <laughs> Do you remember those bikers? The bikers from part... You know how much I love the bikers from part three. Yes. <laughs> um, and her... The assailant pursues. The assailant, we take at this point to be either Jason or Tommy, is also there. Um, and... Wait. Is this when... Oh, yeah, this is when Reggie, after being separated from Pam... Oh, um, yes. Yeah, kind of comes into the barn, saving the day via tractor. <laughs> A really fast tractor. Yeah, like, really fast. Faster than I think tractors go, but, you know, there are worse problems with this movie. Yeah, I feel like you um, could probably outrun a tractor if you truly needed to. Right, but Reggie's on it. 
Um, and so he saves Pam, and then the two of them um, are reunited. The chase sort of continues. Um, and then, lo and behold, Tommy shows up. Yes. So it's not Tommy in the Jason mask. And this is, of course, very intriguing. (laughs) For someone. Yeah, we've been led to believe that it is. And so, and so what happens next? Um, So Tommy shows up. Well, first of all, there's this lovely little scene where Jason opens a door and outbursts Pam with a chainsaw. And she's ah, trying to oh chainsaw God. Jason, and he's just holding up his... They're having, like, a chainsaw machete fight. It's so dumb. I totally should have mentioned that. Yes. Like, she's just not moving the chainsaw in any direction. She's just pushing nope. it towards him while he's just holding his machete, and it's it's really weird. It's so dumb. <laughs> in that, though, eventually she gets him, but her machete dies, and then <clears throat> she is chased up um, some barnyard ladder or whatever. Um, <clears throat> and then Tommy shows up, and he kind of takes on Jason. Um, he gets wounded, though, when Jason gets him with the machete, but he pulls out his safety switchblade <laughs> that he's yeah. been like fidgeting with all movie. Um, and stabs um, Jason in the leg and is able to move a bit before he kind of passes out, though, from whatever blood loss. Um, Jason obviously gets up and is climbing the ladder to get to where Pam and Reggie are. Um, Shenanigans are happening up on this second level in the barn. Eventually... They try to, like, knock Jason out the window, but then he grabs onto Reggie, and he's pulling Reggie, and it's at this point that um, uh, Tommy comes to and is able to get up the ladder and hacks at um, Jason's arm, gets him to let go of uh, Reggie. He falls. The mask comes off. He falls into, like, a weird... I don't know what it is. It's spikes of some sort. Yeah, I'm not entirely sure what... It's like a tray of spikes. Yeah, what that's supposed to be and why it's in a barn. Yeah. But he falls on it, his mask comes off, and it turns out it was not Jason, but Roy Burns the (gasps) entire time. And you're like, who's Roy Burns? Yeah. 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 And so Roy Burns, as it were, is one of the local paramedics. And um, surprise twist father of um fat eager joey yeah who was cleaved yes earlier in the film yeah and so we discover sort of in like the genomes at the hospital all of this comes out um and that roy basically snapped when he saw that his son had been cleaved Cleaved. <laughs> and so decided to disguise himself as Jason in order to get revenge um, on everybody. Who? We don't know. See, here's the, like, the fact that it's fucking Roy, the ambulance driver or whatever, like, many problems in my opinion. He's mm-hmm. barely a part of the movie. And when he 
is there, they make it really obvious that he's going to be the killer. No. But also, like, what the fuck is this motive? You go on a killing spree to get revenge. On everyone? On everyone. Like, Vic I... is the one who killed your son. Yeah. Why are you killing everybody else in this goddamn town except for Vic? Yeah. I don't understand. Yeah, we never see Vic again. We never see Vic again. Why aren't you, like, breaking into the jail and killing Vic or some shit? What the fuck does everybody else have to do with it? Yeah. Stupid. Anyway, so that's the reveal. Um, and Pam, for some reason, is, like, super aware of, like, you know, she's like, oh, Joey was Vic's son. And it's like, what? I feel um, like they were trying to do some sort of Mrs. Voorhees reveal, like in the first yeah, one. Uh, but like, it was just so bad. It's so bad. That's a really good point. Yeah. And I don't know why I never thought of that. Like a parent avenging the death yeah. of their child, a la the original story. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, so that all comes to light. Roy is dead. Um... Tommy has yet another nightmare um, of Jason, but this time, now that he's been through another trauma, I guess, um, is able to say goodbye, first trauma. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to be preoccupied with my second trauma. Me. And um, the Jason, like dream figure vision hallucination i don't know disappears and it's like great yeah um but then there's this weird moment at the end where i guess that's not the case because the film ends with uh pam hearing and seeing broken glass mm-hmm. in Tommy's room. And she's like, oh my gosh, Tommy has run away or escaped or he's over it. Um, but we end with Tommy coming out from behind the door wearing the hockey mask and brandishing a knife. Yes. So... He didn't get over his first trauma. Or this is how he thinks he got over his first trauma. Yeah, he's just got super into the second trauma. Yeah. And thus ends Friday the 13th Part 5, A New Beginning. Which had so much plot and so much sitcom-y acting. Yes. And quite the body count. It's so interesting because I feel like this is where, like, Tommy as a character, like, I mean, obviously he's introduced, you know, and he's actually fairly complex in the fourth one, but this is the one where you really kind of get into, like, he's almost, like, in Sidney Prescott territory Mm -hmm. a little bit, where he's, you know, like, a prominent survivor victim of this person, and he's carrying real trauma and has all these kind of PTSD problems, but it's just... It's lost in this mess of a movie. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like 
they were trying to go for a thing, right? Where like Tommy would be the final boy for this next trilogy, like going head to head with the new villain, I guess, Roy, Mm -hmm. as he works through his trauma of taking down Jason. But like, man, that does not come across in any way. Well, and John Shepard, too, was he like really prepared for this role, not knowing it was a Friday the 13th uh, installment and was like super bummed to find out that it was just Friday the 13th. Should we talk about that for a little? We can, yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that also makes this movie notorious in the horror community, as some of you may know, is that. Uh, The beginning of production occurred under a false title. Primarily, the casting process was done not revealing what film this actually was. So most, if not all, of the actors did not know that they had been cast and signed on for a Friday the 13th film until their contracts were signed. Um, And uh, Miss Mel said uh, John Shepard, who plays... um, this film's Tommy Jarvis, like t- teenage Tommy Jarvis, uh, did some intense research for the role, um, including volunteering at a um, mental institution. And yeah, was very disappointed to discover that he was in the fifth entry in a declining franchise. Um, there is also a great statement from let me see if I can find it oh uh, the actor who played Roy um, Dick Dick Winan mm-hmm who said, it wasn't until I saw part five that I realized what a piece of trash it was. I mean, I knew this series reputation, but you're always hoping that yours is going to come out better. And even uh, Danny Steinman, the director, stated that he basically shot a fucking porno in the woods and you wouldn't believe the nudity that they cut out. Wow. Yeah. Um, So kind of an interesting uh, background there for the pre-production and early production of this movie. Yeah. Which, like, you know, and, like, that's fairly common that films are produced under pseudonyms, um, announced under pseudonyms and that sort of thing, but Mm -hmm. the cast tends to know by a certain point what they've signed on for. Um, So doing that was kind of a right. dick move. Definitely a dick move. And also, I feel like, less common in the 80s. Yeah. To film under secret code names. Um, yeah. Um, Corey Feldman, of course, makes a brief cameo. Mm-hmm. I believe the original plan was to not have it the, the five-year time jump, but to have it occur either immediately or relatively shortly after part four, but Corey Feldman was filming the Goonies. Mm. 
the same time that this movie was filming. So he wasn't available for Friday the 13th. Um, they got him on like the one day he was off from filming Goonies. Do his, his come here in the middle of the night and in the and rain, just, in the mud. Yeah, sort of like run around in the mud. Is that cool? Cool. Great. Um, are you being molested? So he says. Oh boy. Right? Um, He's gone back and forth on that. He has gone back and forth on that. And so, and so, yeah. And I feel like what it leaves us with is a film that had a lot of potential, right? It does deliver. Like, like it's kind of like a, like, if you just look at the premise, it's kind of like a somewhat exciting question, right? Who's the new killer? How's this going to continue? Yeah. And, like, I, on paper, I love the idea of, like, okay, we'll take this character, watch them in the aftermath of this um and you know even the idea of the killer not ending up being jason it's just you know somebody you know either pretending to be jason or it's all in someone's head like just the idea that like you know it's kind of the specter of of this rather than the actual thing that haunts um uh tommy is really interesting to me it's Mm -hmm. just none of it was executed well at all it was like every wrong thing they could have done they were like let's do that you're like, yeah, 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 let's do that. Let's do, let's, let's, let's set it in a halfway house for kids. That's odd and uncomfortable and grim, right? Yeah, let's do that. Um, yeah. Like on paper, I want to like this and it's just not, um. Yeah. It just doesn't, there's just so many odd like technical choices to yeah. think that make it hard to get around. Like if you watch the original, like Sean S. Cunningham really directs that movie really well. And there's lots of interesting techniques that are going on, like fun playing with shadows and a lot of the shots. And mm. this is just, there's some really shit like camera work that goes on here. Yeah. It's, it's pretty bad. And why is there so much like slow motion weapon swinging? I don't know. Yeah. Like the, yeah. Like I'm going to hold my weapon here for like approximately seven seconds and then I'm going to strike you. Yeah. What? I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a strange and it's you know, it sucks that it was such a bomb, especially because I do feel like it could have in better hands and better writing hands and better directing hands. Like I feel like the cast was game. Like I think because of the way they did the casting, they got good people who just ended up in a shitty film. Yeah. With the exception of the Hubbards. But I don't know. Maybe that was directing. Was the exception? Yeah, that's that's true. Maybe they were directed to do that. Yeah, and it's yeah, a game cast and an interesting premise, but it's very much lost on execution, and it's very much lost on technique. I think. Yeah. Um. 
lots of interesting directions it could have gone, but it doesn't. And what you gonna do? It is. Uh, it is what we continue to watch it. So we continue to watch it to this day, <laughs> over thirty years later. So yeah. But um. Unless you have more to say. No, I mean, I think we hit the, we kind of beat this to death with, you Uh, know. (laughs) And I think then we will close the books on Friday the 13th, part five, A New Beginning, and turn our sights towards uh, part six, Jason Lives. (laughs) What do you think is going to happen on that one? <laughs> and um it's gonna be covering in March, I believe. Is get excited. Week. So get excited, get excited. But what's what's coming up like next next, Miss Mal? Do you want to tell them? Yeah, so um as many of you may know or may not know, um, there is a sort of Victorian times, Edwardian times tradition of um sharing ghost stories at Christmas. Uh, it is the premise for Turn of the Screw. It's the frame story of that. Um, it's obviously a um, big inspiration for A Christmas Carol. Um, so we thought we would revive this tradition in our own way by sharing a couple spooky tales uh, to each other, which is, you know, we've done that a bit before with our campfire stories, but this is specifically going to be ghost stories. Uh, and we're going to see if we can find some Christmas-specific ghost stories uh, to share with each other, you know, around a nice digital campfire um, as we, we move into the, the Christmas time. Yeah. Put the, uh, the Yule Log on Netflix. Yeah. Yes. Get yes. Yule Log is no more time for Yule Log. That's right. That's right. Yeah, looking forward to it. I think that's going to be a fun episode. That was Miss Mel's idea. I want to give her credit for that. Um, really cool, exciting idea for our next episode. Um, but before that next episode, we would, of course, love it if you guys um, got in touch with us about your thoughts on Friday the 13th, Part 5, about holiday horror. Mm-hmm. Um, what are you watching? What should we be watching? Um, and just sort of other general um, comments. <laughs> yeah. And there's lots of ways you can do that. How can they do that? They can do that by tweeting us at splatterchatter666, uh, minus all the vowels. If that's too difficult, you can just search splatterchatter. We'll pop right up. You can email us at splatterchatter669 at gmail.com. You can leave a comment on the new blog URL, splatter-chatter.wordpress.com. Splatter-chatter.com. .com. No .wordpress. Just .com. Uh, you can do that. Um, Instagram is splatterchatter666 and the Tumblr is splatterchatter.tumblr.com and Mr. Gregors can tell you how you can become an even more involved listener of the podcast if you like what you hear please check out our Patreon at patreon.com splatterchatter666 where you can learn how you can financially support the show in exchange for cool rewards we will also very gladly accept your love and appreciation in the form of ratings and reviews on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, or Stitcher. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! 
Um, and do, yes, keep an eye on the website because um, as we close out 2019 and also the 2010s decade, I will make sure that uh, we have some posts for top films of the year slash decade, and I'm going to make Miss Mel do it too. Ooh. Yeah. And I must subtly forget every horror film I've ever seen or read. Or whenever when somebody asks me my favorite anything, I'm like, do I read? Do I watch things? I don't. Do I? What's happening? What's happening? I'll come. We'll we'll do lists. We'll make it a project. Yeah. Um. So do keep an eye out. And as you're waiting for that, and as you're waiting for our next episode, in which we will do Christmas ghost stories, which we will get to you before Christmas. Um, yes. We're. I don't think we're we're not going to stick to our two-week thing for this one yeah. we've missed a couple so yeah so we're, we're gonna make up for that and we're gonna get you the spooky stuff before december 25th um but in the meantime do remember to keep up the creep mm-hmm. and uh for now we're gonna say au revoir adios and doctor.